Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. We're going to talk today about a subject that I, I, you know, the Bible brings up things that I I don't know what I'm talking about. And so I don't know what I'm talking about now. Uh, And I was going to skip over it because I thought I don't know, I don't know enough, Lord. I certainly see the theme. I know you've said something there. I understand that. But it's kind of foreign to me to understand this. I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about it much. I don't know what to do with this. Um, but the Holy Spirit really didn't let me go from it. And, and so uh, we're going to talk about traditions. Traditions. And we're going to see that God establishes traditions. Those are memorials that he builds into the patterns of our lives. So that we do not forget the lessons he teaches us. So that we pass those lessons on to our children. And so that we remain thankful and do not become proud. There's a real purpose to it. There's real power in it. Of course, tradition can be a killer. You can way overdo tradition and it can become a death. And yet, if we lose sight of these traditions the Lord builds into our lives in a healthy way, we will become uh, people without a foundation. People who keep having to learn lessons over and over and over again. So God's the one you're going to see today that actually establishes certain traditions in our lives and insists that we observe them. We'll talk about how to, how to do that and how they become living for us and not death for us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. The way you think and the way we think are very different. And we now ask you to open our eyes to see spiritual truth our ears to hear your voice, you'd open this word now that it would be a living word to us, not just just a holy book, a living word to us today, and it would change our lives. We feed on this book, Lord. It's the bread of heaven to us, and we receive it now in Jesus' powerful name. I ask for grace to speak your word so we hear you, you and not my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. As Israel prepared to leave Egypt, God wanted to make sure they would never forget the important lessons they were learning about him. He knew human nature tends to quickly forget spiritual lessons and ceases to be thankful. And when this happens, people are forced to keep relearning painful lessons, and those who fall into that cycle are prevented from maturing. Forgetting also leads to thanklessness. And that is an even greater danger, for it allows pride to grow, and pride in time will always lift God's hand of blessing. So, to protect them, as well as their descendants, from falling into this trap, he instituted three ceremonies which he wanted to become traditions. He said from the moment they left Egypt onward, they were to observe the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the dedication of firstborn sons and livestock. He wanted these events to regularly remind them of the great miracles he did for them. And he wanted them to talk about those miracles so their faith would be passed on to their children. These were lessons that must never be forgotten. These were lessons that every generation must learn. 
Therefore, he commanded that they become traditions, memorials built into the patterns of their lives. Would you say that phrase with me, memorials? Built into the patterns of their lives. Again, memorials built into the patterns of their lives. God puts reminders. He puts pegs, as it were, in the wall. He, things that remind us of something over and over and over again. It's something he does. Today, we'll look at the continuing power of traditions and consider how they can be a blessing to us as well. Exodus chapter 12. As I looked through these chapters, I, I saw that with each one of those three great memorials, Passover, Unleavened Bread, and Firstborn Dedications, that God said the same sort of things about them. Starting here in chapter 12 at verse 24, listen to what the Lord says about Passover. He says, and you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. I want you to do this every year forever. And it will come about when you enter the land, which the Lord will give you as he promised, that you shall observe this right. Even after you're through with your wanderings in the wilderness, when you finally settle into the good times, when you have beautiful land filled with milk and honey, you've got great family estates, you're living the good life, you keep doing these memorials. I don't want you to forget the lessons learned. And it will come about when your children will say to you, what does this right mean to you? That you shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians, but spared our homes. And the people bowed low and worshipped. God says, you're going to remember what I did on Passover night forever. I want you to establish this memorial, this tradition. It will be practiced every year, and you will remember every year what I did for you on Passover night. Now look at chapter 13, verse 8. Here he is talking about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That began on Passover night. It lasted for seven days, and they did not eat uh, any leaven at all. They just had unleavened bread. And here's what God says about that, verse 8. You shall tell your son on that day, saying, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Notice how personal that is. When I came out of Egypt. It shall serve as a sign to you on your hand, like a ring, a wedding ring that reminds you of your wedding or a special ring that reminds you of a graduation. You put rings on your fingers sometimes to remember special events in your life. You see, it'll be like a, a ring on your finger and as a reminder on your forehead as, as a special headband that would remind them of something. We don't do a lot of that in our culture, but I, I'm sure they did then. That the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a powerful hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Therefore, you shall keep this ordinance at its appointed time, year to year. See that? God's establishing a tradition in their life. Every year, they would have this week of unleavened bread. And then thirdly, there in verse 14 of chapter 13, he now makes the same sort of application for firstborn. He says, and when it shall be when your son asks you, in time to come, saying, what is this? Why are we offering this uh, firstborn lamb, this firstborn goat, this firstborn uh, sheep or whatever? I guess that's a lamb, excuse me. Um, I'm trying to work my way through the livestock. 
Or why are you taking me to the tabernacle or later on the temple? If it's a firstborn, well, the firstborn son's going to be too small to probably know, but that he would be uh, redeemed with a lamb. Why are we doing this? You shall say to him, with a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. It came about when Pharaoh was stubborn, hard, about letting us go, that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the first offspring of every womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. So it shall serve as a sign on your hand, that ring thing, as it, mine says phylactery, as a headband on your forehead. With a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. God says there are certain things you must never forget. Certain lessons I don't want you to have to relearn. I want you to learn them once and remember them. I want you to build your lives on these truths, and I want them to be passed to the next generations. The lessons contained in these things must be passed from generation to generation to generation. You must not forget them with the passing of time. Have you noticed we tend to forget? Forget what? <laughs> we are forgetful, and we quickly grow thankless. God can do incredible things for us. And a year or two later, we hardly remember it. It's human nature. It's human nature. It's not just you. It's human nature. And God knows human nature. And so he says, there are certain things that I'm going to build into your life. Patterns, memorials. I'm going to stick into the regular rhythms of life. So that you don't forget. Now, he doesn't do this with everything, but some things are so important, they must be established in our thinking. And he says, these three things I want you to never forget. By the way, what, were the, what was the lesson of Passover that must never be forgotten? That he bought them with the blood of a lamb. In other words, there is substitution. God says, I rescued your life by letting a lamb die in your place. Don't ever forget that. And you and I to this day must not forget that. He said with unleavened bread. What was the lesson of unleavened bread? Who remembers that? Where God guides, he, he provides. He says, I, I took you out. If I'm going to take you into freedom, I'm going to have to take you through the wilderness where there's no resources. Don't you look at that. Where I guide, I provide. I'll feed you bread from heaven. If I tell you to do something, the resources to do it will be there. Period. Don't you ever doubt me. Don't let that fear hold you back. And that lesson, I want you to remember every year. Every year you're going to sit down and you're having a week of, of unleavened bread. It's what you're going to eat. And it's going to remind you of manna. I fed you for 40 years. Don't ever forget the lesson of those 40 years. Don't ever forget that. You need to remember who I am. And your children need to know who I am. You see? And then the third thing there was dedication of the firstborn. Who remembers what that meant? Yeah, you're doing, none of the services did that one. I did not make that clear. When I rescue you from death, your life belongs to me. Remember that? Bought with the blood of a lamb. We've been purchased. Our life is not our own. It's not our own anymore. We've been bought. When I, when I rescue your life from death, you belong to me. Sanctification. From now on, you're my servant. I've bought you. 
out of hell and death and the power of the devil. How many have been bought out of the power of the devil and hell and death? You, you don't belong to yourself anymore. You knew that. You're not yours. You're his. And he says, I don't ever want you to forget that. I don't ever want you to forget that. I rescued you. You're mine. You, you remember that. And every time you dedicate a firstborn animal, every time you take your, son, uh, your, your firstborn son and you dedicate him at the temple and redeem his life with a, with a lamb, or in, in Jesus' case with two turtle doves because the family was so poor. But whenever you redeem that son, you remember that your life belongs to me. And by the way, that son had a special, a special obligation to be a spiritual leader to their family. The word tradition comes from the Latin word that, that means trading. It's, it's, where you, it's where you transmit something from one person to another. You trade. You pass it on. I give you something. You give me something. We are, we are trading something. And in, in this case, it's oral transmission of, of information. You, you pass on information. You pass on beliefs. You pass on customs from the older to the younger. Tradition, it's passed on from one generation to the next generation. Something handed down from the past, given to the future. What is the purpose of observing these traditions? There are certain truths that must never be forgotten. There's a whole bunch of stuff that ought to be forgotten. If we retained it all, we would be absolutely mental garbage heaps. But there are certain things that must never be forgotten. And those are the things the Lord says, I want those things, and I want them built into a tradition in your life so you don't forget them. There are things that we must transmit to our children. You know, sometimes we think this is all about us. And we forget that we are but a link in a chain. And that the faith of God must pass from generation to generation to generation until the coming of Jesus Christ. This isn't just about you. You and I must pass what he's given on to us, to the next generation, that they might live, that they might pass it to their children, and until the Lord comes, it will be continued to go forward. Did you see, in each case, God's concern about children? Yes? I want to hear more than a mm. Yeah. He really cares about this thing. This business of passing it on to children is a big deal to God. It isn't always to us. That's why I'm getting amplified. It, we've got to care. It's got to go. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, mothers, fathers. We pass it on to the children. It's a big deal. Borrowing faith from others. The lovely thing is when you, when you learn, you can learn lessons from these traditions where you don't have to make the mistakes. You can learn the lessons and learn the great gifts of faith. They're literally passed on to you and handed to you if you're humble enough to receive them. Some of us insist on learning everything for ourselves the hard way. Well, but others are humble enough to say, I don't think I'm going to do that the hard way. I think I'm going to simply humbly take that lesson and build my life on it. Saves us a great deal of trouble. And it also prevents thankfulness from eroding. As you get blessed, as God does good things in your life, the natural thing is to become thankless and to forget who gave it to you and take credit for it. That's a killer. I'll, I'll mention that in just a minute. 
Why do we need traditions? Well, because we tend to quickly forget lessons learned. When you forget the lessons you learned, what is that, where does that leave you? You have to learn them again. Ever go through something, you think, man, I don't ever want to have to do this again. And then you forget it and you have to, you do the, you have to learn the same dumb thing again. And then the same dumb thing again. You'll watch people and you think, how many times are you going to do this? At what point do you actually take the lesson and build it into your life rather than just sort of do it again and do it again and do it again? Einstein said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And some of us, by his definition, would be wildly insane. We just go round and round and round. It seems like I, like, you know. If we tend to keep truth to our, we tend to keep, another problem is we tend to keep truth to ourselves, forcing our children to learn their lessons the hard way. I'll tell you where you really see this. You see it at funerals. I don't know how often I hear the comment, uh, what do, you know, you say, was your father a believer? What did he, I don't know. He kept it to himself. That's ridiculous. Of all the things in the world you don't keep to yourself, it's your faith. You are obliged to teach your children. Kept it to yourself? It's nuts, but it happens all the time. Well, I don't really know what he believed. I don't know what she believed. Get over it. It's got to be passed on. And so the Lord says, if you will observe these, these, these traditions, if you will build them into the fabric of your life, they will provoke the children and they'll ask questions. And when they ask questions, you answer them. By the way, I think there's a little bit of a divine appointment in that. I think there's God's giving us a secret. When the child asks, he has prepared them to hear. Did you hear that? There are things that you can just do, and you just prayerfully wait. And at some point, the child says, Mommy, why are we doing this? God, the Holy Spirit, has prepared the child to hear your answer. He's telling us how we can pass our faith on. And then some, we tend to be independent and not want to learn from others. Traditions go right at our pride. And we keep having to observe something over and over again and, and have this truth confronted to us over and over again and it goes right at our pride. Some of us feel it's shameful to, to have to need help from anybody else. We insist on learning everything for ourselves. And yet, when these traditions come along, they offer us truth. They offer us lessons that we can just take freely if we're humble enough to do it. And finally, we tend to quickly grow thankless. And here's the danger of this. I want to amplify on this a little more. It allows pride to grow. Pride means we forget God is our source and assume we are responsible for our own success. The most dangerous thing, I think, is success. In hard times, yes, you can get bitter at God, but generally you get over it and you begin to call on him and pray and seek him and he helps you. 
But when you rise in success, when everybody's well, when you've got plenty of money, when there's the, you know, you're getting promoted at your work, when things are going well, that is the most dangerous zone because you quickly become thankless for getting who it is who has lifted you to where you are. If you, there's not a person in this room, I don't doubt, that if you go back in your life, there's a miracle break that came to you. God did something for you and you, and you know that you don't really belong where you are. But God opened a door somehow and did a miracle, didn't he? I mean, I didn't say you aren't working hard and you aren't doing your part and you haven't grown into the job, but you know there's a miracle, some sort of blessing and gift that you've received. That's why you are where you are. But people forget that. And then they begin to say, boy, I'm good. You know, I work hard. And you know what? God looks at that and he watches you in the good times just walk away from him and forget him. And he loves you so much. He misses you. And he knows that it's in the hard times that you come and talk to him. That's when you pray. And that's when you seek him. And because he's so lonely and he misses you so much. And there's really only one way to get you back. Oh, isn't that nice? You're praying again. Now, we're laughing. But I'm telling you a secret to being blessed. There are a whole bunch of people that every time they get blessed, God, if he wants them back, has got to let hardship come back into their life because they walk away from him every time things go well. They become rapidly thankless and assume they deserve what they've got. They become proud, focused on their prosperity. They forget he who is their source, and he loves them enough to bring them back down, humbling them, so they will pray and come back to him and repent. The lesson here is that if we want to stay blessed, we will seek the Lord in the good times. We will remember what he's done in the good times. And God says one of the key ways to do that is build it into a tradition. I'll show you. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is one of the most precious passages in the Old Testament. It begins with those famous, famous words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then watch what he says beginning at verse 6. He says, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. Here we go again. Pass it on. And talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. There's that ring, that, that special ring to remind us. You shall put them as frontals, uh, headbands on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now here, verse 10. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you. Great and splendid cities which you did not build, 
houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns, that would be water tanks, which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you shall eat and be satisfied. Then watch yourself. See that? When you come into this beautiful land, when you come into your prosperity, when you come into your abundance, when everything's going well, when I've filled all these promises and you have so much wonderful, beautiful things around you, watch yourself. That's the dangerous moment. That you do not forget the Lord who brought you here. <laughs> Who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery? Watch yourself. Don't forget in the good times what you learned in the hard times. Say that with me. Don't forget in the good times what you learned in the hard times. That's worth saying again. Don't forget in the good times what you learned in the hard times. Or the Lord will bring you hard times again. So you'll come back to him. I'm not saying every hardship is, is a result of that. But I do know that's a process. And I watch it in people's lives. There are certain people. Up they go. And, and, and you just watch the callous worldliness just swell. They just be filled with their stuff and their success. Just focused on that forgetting the Lord. He becomes only a nominal thing out of their mouth of it all. And you figure sooner or later God's going to just bring them back down. And he does. And they're boo-hooing and feeling so sorry for themselves. But they are, then they finally crawl back to God. And then he lifts them up again. And then, bomp. It's just a silly cycle that we go through. And he says, I'm going to tell you how to do that. Build some memorials into your life. In Matthew 13, 52, you don't need to turn there. I'll just read you the verse. Jesus says this. He says, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out of his treasures things new and old. He said every scribe, and he's talking about his disciples, he says those who, who become those, the, the, the teachers in the kingdom of God, he said bring out of their treasures things new and things old. We need both. We need both. There is a danger about tradition. If all I do is live in traditions, I become a legalist. I will die if I live my life looking at the past. God is not saying live your life just built on keeping traditions. That's not what he's saying. On the other hand, if I, all I do is forget what he's taught me in the past, I have no traditions and I simply try to sort of wing it as I go through life in the future, forgetting the lessons of the past, I will not build on a foundation. I'll keep going around and around and around in cycles, relearning lessons I don't ever seem to really learn. So what I need are things new and things old. I need a present, living, sweet relationship with God. I need to be listening to the Holy Spirit moment by moment. I need to be growing in my knowledge and understanding of God constantly in the new. But I also need built into the fabric of my life memorials that don't let me forget things that are vital that I must remember. Traditions can bring life or death. They're like spices that add seasoning to life. 
They must not become the main course or will die gazing into the past, but neither can we forget the past altogether without becoming severely weakened. For the past holds lessons to help us live victoriously in the present. Let's name some traditions. Let's just think about them because we have them in our lives. And what we're really talking about today is an attitude. An attitude that understands that the traditions are something God puts there and not become sour. Some of us kind of diverge into, and I guess all of us fight it, bah humbug, not this again. You know, we get a bad attitude about the traditions God builds. And we become suspect. I, I joked about my generation, but my generation is just suspect of anything being done twice in a row. We consider it dead. It's always got to be novel. I want a new thing all the time. And the motto of my generation is paint outside the lines. Makes for ugly striping on the highway. <laughs> and it's like nothing can be within the lines. Uh, think outside the box. Everything has got to be break the rules. Break the rules. Break the mold. Get outside and just wing it. Isn't it? Say amen, all you old folks. Yeah. And then God comes along and says, now I want some traditions built in your lives. I want traditions built into your lives. I don't want you to be a forgetful people. I don't want you to be an un unhinged people. I want you to remember some things. And you know, we still have... Still, we still have traditions that remember even those first three that I mentioned you, to you for Israel coming out of Egypt. There's, the first one was Passover. It taught substitution, didn't it? That a lamb would die. What do we have today of a tradition that reminds us of the lamb dying for us? Communion. Doesn't it? Every month, we will, as a church, take communion. Now, you can look at that and say, oh, I've done this a hundred times. Here it comes, cracker and juice. <laughs> boink, boink. You can do that. And you've missed it entirely. Or you can say, this is a tradition that God has built into our lives to remind us of this truth that a lamb died for my sins. And I will allow that to refresh my heart to rebuild my faith, to strengthen me over and over again because I'm forgetful and I'm thankless. And I need to be brought face to face with the cross over and over again. And I need to thank him over and over again lest I ever forget, lest I ever take it for granted, lest I ever be presumptive about these things. How about unleavened bread? That taught that God would supply. Where God guides, God provides. And he would miraculously provide bread from heaven. What do we do that reminds us that God is our source and our supply? We tithe and give offerings to the Lord. Every time you write that check, there's just kind of a, ooh, ooh. Doesn't the flesh say, what, what could I do with that? And yet you say, but the Lord is my supply. And I give it to him, believing that he will, he is, he has given me everything I have, and he is more than enough to supply whatever I lack by my gift to him. One of my children made a comment the other day, it was really kind of cool. They were reflecting on their early marriage, the early first years of their marriage, and, and, and they said this, they said, we would never have made it had we not tithed. 
They said when we added up our bills and we added up our income, there just wasn't enough income to pay the bills. And yet God carried us through. We still don't know how he did it. We wouldn't have made it if we didn't tithe. What have they learned? That God is their supply. Where God guides, God provides. That he's a miraculous provider for them. They're getting the lesson. That will make a difference for the whole future. He's built it into our lives. How about firstborn? That sanctification. That when, when, when the Lord uh, when saves our life from death, our life now belongs to him. Where, where would we symbolize that? What, what tradition? Water baptism. And water baptism, there you are, putting down into a grave with Christ, giving up your old life, giving up your old ways, dying and joining him. What about Christmas? What do we learn from Christmas? That shouldn't be a hard one. Just, this should not be tough. What do we remember on Christmas? I'm not going to answer until I hear something. Thank you. Incarnation. That the Son of God became a man. Isn't that what we remember on Christmas? And it certainly is the love of God. That he so loved the world that he would do this for us. Over and over again. And you can bah humbug your way through Christmas. Oh, here we go again. Got to put up the tree. Got to do all that stuff. Um, Christmas. Or you can say, Lord, thank you for this reminder of the most incredible miracle in the world. That you, the Son of God, from eternity would come and become a man. That's amazing. You know, I got to tell you, I'm a pastor and I got to preach Christmas sermons every year. And I got to preach Easter sermons every year. This year, I, and, and I've been at this a while. And this, I know I came up this, this Easter and I thought, resurrection, man, I have said everything I know about the resurrection and more. <laughs> what am I going to say? Oh, Lord. And you just feel flat. Ugh. And I said, Holy Spirit, would you show me? Would you teach me? Would you open my eyes to this? Man, he began to open my eyes to the resurrection. And I taught you things this year I've never known in my life. That was a good sermon. <laughs> because the Lord keeps revealing. What it is, is it's like an onion. If you and I will allow, the, if, if we come at these memorials, these traditions with a bad attitude, they're just, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. But if you come at it with a heart of creativity and say, Holy Spirit, show me. I understand that it's your will to build traditions into my life. You want these things. This is your idea. This isn't just our idea. We didn't fall into this. This is something God does. So therefore, Holy Spirit, we need you to show us fresh truth. You know what it is? It becomes like an onion. And he just keeps peeling that truth. And you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper every time. And you think, how did I ever miss that before? How did I ever never see that before? And it just gets sweeter and sweeter. The Bible is like that. When you read the Bible, you know, you read it once. You think, well, I've read it. 
I'll never forget, I had a girl in a youth group years ago. I said, well, we're going to study Ephesians. He said, oh, I've already read that. I thought, man, how can she be that dumb? To her, I read the book. I mean, once is enough. No, no, no. It's a living book. See, that's what you have to understand. God wrote these words. And the more you read them, the more they reveal. You'll read them the rest of your life and learn stuff. I mean, you'll, you'll be 50 years from now. You'll be able to read these things, this, these books. And all of a sudden you go, how did I ever not see that? Wow. The Bible's like that. And so are the traditions that God gives us. Not that the world necessarily gives us. Though I think we can approach even some of those with faith. Weddings. What do we learn there? Covenant. Promised relationships. Year after year. Funerals. What do you learn from funerals? Drive carefully. No. What do you learn from funerals? Y yes, eternal life, the resurrection, the hope of the resurrection. I mean, we, you can't go to a good Christian funeral, but what they're talking about, the fact that the Lord will raise us from death, and, and you remember over and over again, even some of these memorial services you'll go to are just glorious times of having your own confidence and faith that you too will live forever and that your loved one is there in the arms of Jesus. And those, those events come, and when they do, they, be, they can be great times of God reminding us of solid truth and of building us up over and over again. How about, you know, we have one, a little one we do here at the church, laying hands on our children. What is that, a little nicety? Sort of to send them out, here we go, kitties. You know, lay hands on you, goodbye. What are we doing with that? We've made a tradition out of it. We do it all the time. Is that just a, a liturgy? We just fall into a little rut? I mean, some people would call these things ruts. And they, you can have ruts, but ruts, ruts usually have to do with you more than what you're doing. I used to tell my children, when they'd, they'd say, I'm bored. And I, 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 always, I said it over and over again. Only boring people get bored. I really believe that. How much imagination have you got? If you're bored, think of something to do. Well, you can come to these things and they can be just boring to you or you can open your understanding to the Holy Spirit. You can open your faith again and again and again and it can live over and over again. When we lay our hands on our children, what are we saying? We're imparting the anointing of the Holy Spirit to the next generation. Bottom line, we want the power of God on these kids. That's why we lay our hands on it. And it's working, may I add, beautifully. You should see what's going on with our young people. We have national memorials. What about Thanksgiving? What does is, what is that remind us of? Turkey? It's Turkey Day. All right, now, football. That's the other thing it reminds us of. Yes, me too. But let's think about it. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. What are we doing on that day? We're being thankful to God. God is our source. Memorial Day. Freedom isn't free. People have died so we can be here. 
Fourth of July. Freedom's a gift. We haven't always had this. This is something God put together, this nation. It's a miracle. Let's go to family things. What about birthdays? Are those just a drag, another, oh, here we go again. Comes around every year. What do we say with a birthday? We're celebrating that you're alive. We're saying we're glad you're here. You know that every, every year when we do the Royal Family Kids Camp, we give birthday parties for all the children because very few of them have ever had birthdays. Do you know what it says when you don't have a child a birthday party? We're not glad you're here. Boy, those lessons go in deep. You'll, you'll scar a person for life, practically, without a miracle of God. You put that lesson in. We're not glad you're here. You're not supposed to be here. Birthday parties are saying, hey, you're a gift. We're glad you're here. Anniversaries. Is it just a date? Once a year? Or buy something for somebody? What's the point of an anniversary? Why are we doing this? Why every year do you do this? You're remembering your covenant. You're remembering your covenant. You're remembering where you started. When you go out on, a, on, on your anniversary, you shouldn't just go out and sort of whatever. You, it's a time to, to take stock. Look where we've come. Look at the years the Lord has given us. Look how he's blessed us. Look at the things he's done. Look at our children. It's a sense of years ago we started here and look where we are now. An anniversary is a time to remember. It's a time to let something precious and be thankful for what God has done and for the faithfulness of our partner. Thank you, you didn't leave me. You should have, but you didn't. Mother's Day and Father's Day. We're saying thanks for parental love and sacrifice. We're not taking it for granted. How about personal anniversaries and, th and, and things? You can have spiritual anniversaries. Do you remember the day you were born again? Now, some of you will say, no, I can't remember. I got raised in a Christian home. Do you remember the day you realized you were born again? Those ought to get marked down. I know my birthday. I know the day I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It ought to go on the calendar. And there ought to at least, just, I, every, I, I, I still will get occasional cards or something on my spiritual birthday from somebody. Just remembering the faithfulness of God. How, you know, I think it's great to, to have memorials that you build just the out of journaling. Just writing down the prophetic words God gives you. Or writing down the answers to prayer that God gives you. Just keeping some record. You know, he'll say something to us and we'll forget it. You know, three years later, we don't even remember he ever said it. Write it down somewhere. These are your traditions. These are your memorials that you build into your life. And maybe every so often you'll just read through them and remember the words God's spoken to you, the promises that have been there, the answers to prayer that have been there. It builds us up over and over again. Grace at dinner. That, sound, that can be hot. Now there's one that can be really boring. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. <laughs> Yea, God, amen. Or it can be just a short moment for a little heart where you just talk to the Lord a minute just connect just turning your spirit up to him and blessing him and thanking him and yeah you say something about the food too thank you for the food and all that we have 
Strengthen us to your service. You know, whenever I get enough people in a row to, to hold hands, I always make us hold hands when we, we pray over grace. And then they know it's what's coming. I'm going to make us sing the doxology. I like to sing. I'm building a tradition into the thing. And so, it's like, I'll see some, <laughs> you know, my, my son, or he's got his girlfriend. He's going to make us sing. Hang on. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's eat. When people die, when our grandparents or our parents die, one of the comments you'll hear is this. I remember how daddy always used to. I remember how mommy always used to. It's the stuff you always used to that go in deep. Those are the things that are remembered. The stuff you always used to. Not the thing you did treat twice. It's the stuff you always used to. Those deep traditions. They're, they're some of them unspoken traditions. Remember how you know, some, um, a mother came up and she said, our tradition is we, I, I, would, I would make uh, dough and stuff at Christmas and, and we would make cookies with my children. And she said, my daughter just is doing that now and she's actually ministering where is it someplace a, a, a painful situation and her daughter did the same thing mommy did and began to take the dough and have the children all do these same things that she was taught these traditions these become sweet things you build these memories into people's lives and they remember those moments that's what they'll remember the stuff you always used to the bedtime prayers the, oh daddy always used to make us hold hands and sing and then he'd make us, you know, we always had to thank God for something. And mommy had to cover everything with tin foil so it wouldn't get cold. And they'll laugh about it. And then they'll do the same thing. They'll do the same thing. Because it's so familiar and so sweet and comfortable to them. They'll do the same thing. God's teaching us a secret. He says, this is how you pass it on. Just have them do it. Have them do it. Have them do it over and over again, and you won't forget either. One more little one. I'll just throw this in for free. Years ago, I heard Jack Hayford just say this offhandedly. He says, never let your head hit the pillow without some word in it. Well, I just picked up on that, and I made a little tradition. I've got a little Bible right by my bed, and my tradition is I climb in, and I just read anything. I just open it. And read where almost virtually wherever I am, unless I sort of feel led of the Spirit to go someplace. And I just read a little word. And I close it up and go to bed. Never let your head hit the pillow without a little word in it. 
I don't read a long time. Just a little bit. I just put some word in my brains before I go to bed. I think it makes for good sleep. That's a tradition. I just heard him say it offhandedly, and I made a tradition in my life. So now, every time I go to bed, it's time for my tradition. So I just put some word in. Traditions can be life-giving. They can be a blessing to us. Now, if we live in them, and all we have is traditions, if we're doing them by rote, if they're a law to us, if we think we're earning points with God, if we fall into those legalistic traps, they're dead. But if we let them be simple reminders of things we don't want to forget, of things we want to pass on to our children, of blessings we want to never stop being thankful for, of simple disciplines that make life richer and stronger and build us up, little reminders, they're a great gift to us. A great gift to us. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, you are so, so sweet to us. You know our natures. You know we're forgetful children and we tend to grow thankless. We tend to repeat our mistakes. Would you give us the grace, Lord, to receive the traditions that you would have built into our lives so they live for us, so they are joined with the Holy Spirit's inspiration. They become fresh over and over again. Lord, when you're in them, they don't have to go old and stale. Only boring people get bored. People full of the Holy Spirit just go deeper. They aren't ruts. They're foundations that teach us about you. Keep us thankful. Help us teach our children. Remind us of lessons so we don't have to learn them again and again and again. Thank you, Lord, for this example from the Word of God. We don't suppose that we're people who don't need these things. Show us how to bring out of our treasure things new and things old. And to truly be a disciple of the kingdom of God. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our homes, fill our families, fill our marriages. Give us personal, family, church, disciplines, and traditions that live for us. And then, Lord, be with us day by day and moment by moment so that we have fresh, new, living relationships with you and we're always growing and learning. Give us both. We ask in Jesus' powerful name. Pray for your sweet presence over every home. May the blood of Christ be over us. The angels of God be given charge over us. May your spirit be our teacher and our comfort through the rest of the day. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.